welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership with your host, Stephanie Olson, speaker, author, addiction, sexual violence, and resiliency expert. Hello, I'm excited to introduce to you Kyle Gillette. Kyle has helped small business owners and leaders around the world to take their businesses from good too great. He is an ICF certified coach, behavioral analysis, and creator of the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework that helps people gain clarity, build confidence, and generate new clientele. As a mindset coach who specializes in helping clients understand how their thoughts affect their lives and business, Kyle understands what it takes for someone's mindset to change. And the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework is amazing. And Kyle just really kind of breaks it down and explains exactly what it's all about so that others can have the most influence possible. So let's welcome Kyle Gillette. Hello, and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. And I'm excited to introduce Kyle Gillette to you. Kyle, welcome. Hey, Stephanie, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. So you are doing some cool things in coaching and business leadership and all of that good stuff. So how are you helping? Well, first of all, tell me a little bit about how you got into that and then how you're helping um, business owners and leaders around the world right now. The backstory is based on my experience working in a men's mentoring program for about oh, nine years. Nice. Uh, I got the the interesting story to that is when I was in college, I went to Cal Poly, and uh, it's a school on the Central Coast of California. And I was I was sitting in my apartment at this makeshift desk that I'd made, talking to my parents on the phone, sitting in a chair similar to the one that I'm sitting in now. Okay. And I was. I was 30 pounds overweight, covered in poison oak, and oh. about 10 units behind in school. And, oh. and I had two quarters to figure all that stuff out. Okay. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, no idea what I wanted to do with, with the work future. But I'd gone on a trip to India, and one of the guys mm. that went from California to India with us, uh, he said, hey, there's this job opportunity in at this mentoring program. And I said, okay, well, tell me about it. So he told me about it, and I went to the interview. And when I went to the interview, uh, it was this beautiful, idyllic setting with rolling green hills in the background. And I came in in this driveway and you take a you take a ride onto the driveway and go over this, this bridge with this beautiful white painted rails. And on your right, it's this chain link fence with a bunch of barking dogs. And so I'm like, oh. what's going on here? Okay. And then you get to this this space where there's a green lawn and a, and a flagpole, American flagpole, and this perfect farmhouse, white farmhouse wraparound porch, cement walkway up to the front door. And then off in the distance is this other set of chain link fences with big dog houses in it. Well, well, obviously <laughs> this is a, the, the nonprofit was supported by a pet resort. And so that's what the, okay. all the fences were about. But long story short, I did the interview. I was asked on the spot if I wanted the job. I said, yes. And then for the next nine years, I was a part of that program and was wow. mentored by a gentleman that had run about 30 different businesses and several of them were very successful. Mm-hmm. So he retired early and bankrolled this nonprofit. And then eventually the nonprofit started to sustain itself. And I worked through the different positions in the organization while being mentored. Nice. And that was my introduction to coaching. There's, there's more to the story, of course, but that was my introduction to coaching. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm stuck on, so I run a nonprofit in my real world and I think bankrolling the nonprofit, that sounds amazing. (laughs) That doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. That's fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. He supported it. I think for about, this is a number kind of, I'm making it up a little bit, but I think it's fairly accurate Uh, for about five years. It was just him and his wife could continue to be able to put money into it until it became self-sustainable and because we, we didn't get donations, we it was self-sustainable oh through the pet resort. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. And everything that comes with learning how to run a nonprofit plus a business with it. There's actually multiple businesses with inside yeah. the nonprofit. So it was good so, lessons. So you really kind of learned a, a whole capful of everything with the mentoring, with running a business, nonprofit. I mean, it was kind of a a built-in training ground, really. Yeah. And the beauty of it was, you know, the Sage framework, you talk about accountability in it. And Jack was the, or is the president. And he met with me every Tuesday for at least an hour and a half at lunch Mm. and just taught me, coached me, schooled me, slapped me around a little bit sometimes. (laughs) It's good for you. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I was, I mean, if you count up the hours of, of lunches times nine years, yeah. You talk about a, a school of business. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very fortunate to have experienced that and then been able yeah. to turn that into some of the things that I'm doing now, plus a bunch of other things that yeah. you talk. And someone really pouring life into you, really. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Well, first talk a little bit. I'm just curious about the mentoring that you were doing to the men that you were working with. Yeah, so these guys were 18 and 25 year olds. The, the, the program still exists. It's a little bit of a different iteration of it now. But yeah. uh, when I was there, there would be two guys that lived in the house with up to six other guys. So the two guys were called house leaders, and we helped get we helped them learn everything from job skills to mm. cooking skills to um, communication skills. Everything in that set of just life. Wow. And the goal was at the end of the program, they'd commit six months. And at the end of the program that they would have what's called a life map. And that life map would answer three questions. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And how do I get there in six fundamental areas of life? So, you know, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And they would have to create a map of where they were going to go and how they're going to get there before they could leave the program. If they had a good life map in place, then they would graduate the program and then go and pursue that map. Uh, So that was the the gist of the program. Uh, A lot of the guys had drug and alcohol and uh, various other histories that were rough. Some people didn't, but a lot of them did. And so we had a lot of attrition. But if someone made it all the way through, they tended to have decent success, if not great success afterward, because I'm still in contact with several of the guys. Oh, that's awesome. So when you left, did you have a plan to start um, doing your own coaching or what did that transition look like? Okay. So you called me out. So there's some (laughs) irony here because when, when I left, my wife and I, you know, I got married in the middle of all that had a couple kids and my oldest was three. And we didn't want her to be in preschool or to go to school without having grandparents around. But mm-hmm. my parents are in California and her parents are up in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And so we had to make a decision, which is possibly the most agonizing and difficult decision of my life. Because I, I have a really good relationship with my parents. It's even better now than it was before. It was already mm-hmm. good. Wow. But it, I had to give up that relationship to a certain degree. And that yeah. sucked. 
Yeah, and, that's hard. And so ultimately, I chose we. Cho- I, I, it wasn't I only, but we chose mm-hmm. to move up here. And when we moved, my intention was just simply, if we're going to move from here, I want to have the type of impact that I'm ha- that I had at the Alpha Academy up here in some way, shape, or form. That right. was that was the vague dream, vague vision with this slight thought that maybe I'd open a pet resort or maybe I'd start a men's mentoring program. And those two pieces haven't happened, but I'm doing this this coaching thing instead, which is having that type of impact that I wanted to have. Yeah. And it it really is. I mean, it's it's really very much like mentoring and so so tell me about um mindset coaching, specifically the sage mindset. Tell me what that is. Yeah. So when I, I worked in HR at a mega church for two and a half years and got exposed to something called disc assessments. And I'm, most people are familiar with those. And yep, if you're not, yep. it's a, it's a behavioral analysis of, of the person. It's not a test, but it looks at your behaviors in four categories. Yeah. And so, so I had the chance to get certified in that and then another assessment as well. And then I was tasked with doing assessments on everyone that worked at the church, which was over a hundred people. Wow! So I had the opportunity to cert- to assess a hundred people and do one hour long meetings with each of them to go over the results. Okay. So I had this blitz of behavioral analysis and this opportunity to really shape my ability in that. And when I was almost done with that process, I started to do uh, workshops with DISC oh within the church, but also outside the church. And then I got paid to do it outside the church. And I went, that's great. (laughs) Maybe there's something here. And then I got engaged in John Maxwell team stuff and certified to them. And I went, huh, there's something here. And so I gave the church notice and eventually stepped away and started my business. But DISC isn't mine. I can't do whatever I want with it. And so I took... I took a, several months to think about, okay, what's what's my thing? What's my tool? What's my whatever? And I had all these, I love alliteration and acronyms because it makes, for me, my memory's not that great. So it makes it easier <laughs> for me to remember things. Right. And I was laying in bed one night, my wife's a nurse. And at the time she was doing nursing at night. And so she wasn't home. So I'm just in bed at night and I wake up to a voice. I feel like it was God speaking yeah. to me. And the voice said self-awareness. And I went, oh, okay. And I jumped out of bed, ran into the kitchen, ran past my kids' rooms, and sat down at the table for the next four hours. I just sat there shivering in my boxers, beginning the (laughs) the whole beginnings of of the SAGE framework. That's amazing. Uh, So that's kind of the, the very beginning of what it is now. Okay. That, very cool. So tell me about it. What is that? What does that look like? So SAGE stands for four things. And I do this too fast. So I'm going to slow down a little bit. So okay. SAGE is self-awareness, obviously, okay. then accountability, okay. growth, and empowerment. And the way that I, I describe that. it is it's a, it's a leadership house, your SAGE mm. leadership house. And self-awareness is the foundation to leadership. And when I say self-awareness, I'm talking about your ability to understand where you're coming from and your emotions, how you're presenting yourself with your body language, your tone of voice, all yes. that stuff. But also being able to read how other people are bringing it back to you and then how you're impacting them. So it's a high level of emotional intelligence. It's huge. And then accountability is the nails and and the or I'm sorry accountability is yeah the the nails and the hammer to mm-hmm. keeping your leadership house together with without 
without accountability, no matter how beautiful your leadership looks, no matter how right. much influence you have, the house will crumble and it's going to hurt a lot of people in the process. Mm-hmm. And, and we've mm-hmm. seen this with a number of leaders, just yeah. even in the recent history, right? Yeah. And then growth is is the walls and the roof. And it's the idea that in leadership, there's times where we need to remodel. So sometimes you move a wall, you adjust things, and you have to remodel the way you do things as you grow in your leadership, but also as those that you influence need you to make adjustments to them. And then they also adjust to you. And then I break the metaphor when I talk about the roof, because there's times when, you know, John Maxwell talks, talks about that leadership lid. Yeah. There's times when you need to blow off, blow the roof off of your leadership. <laughs> right. And just grow and expand and become an even more influential and impactful leader. So that's the G, the growth. And then empowerment is the windows and doors. So this is the ability for people to, when they're outside of your leadership, they're going, hmm, what's going on in in there? Mm. I want to be a part of that. I want to be influenced by that guy or that lady and, and be able to grow in my own ways. And then the opposite is true too, where the people that you are influencing and empowering, they look out the windows and door and they go, huh, I think I'm ready to go do my own thing. And you as a sage leader say, heck yeah, go do it yeah. because you're so full of empowering people and you, your your abilities aren't tied to the people that you work with and, you, and you're not limited by if people step away, you're empowered and so are they to step yeah. away. So that's exactly that's the version. That's the way I like to describe it. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that that self-awareness piece is so critical because self-awareness is one of those interesting things because either you have self-awareness initially, and so you can gain that and you can really look at that, or you have none and you need to cultivate it and learn how to... I've, I've rarely met people with no self-awareness, but I have met people with like, seriously, I'm not sure you're quite getting who you are. So, (laughs) I mean, how do you help people cultivate that if they are not quite self-aware? I think one of the, let's call it easy. I don't know if easy Mm -hmm. is the right word here, but one of the easier ways to do it is get a, get objective data on yourself. Okay. And one way is to use the disc assessment. I mean, I use assessments with my clients because they are putting their subjective responses to the assessment, but then the assessment spits out objective data. And so it's this way to look at yourself from a quote meta perspective, but also objectively. So you can go, oh, I guess I am a fast paced person. And sometimes I can be too direct or I run people over because it's about my agenda all the time. And then obviously all the positive things that you get from those assessments as well. Right. But that that's a really great foundational piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other, the other thing is vulnerability. It's, it's your willingness to, to be open to feedback, to be open to perspectives that aren't yours to to see things from different angles. So there's a lot of different ways, but I think those two are are pretty vital. And being humble and, yeah. and coachable because yeah. I think the, I think the one key thing I've seen in a lot of people who struggle with self-awareness is, um, yeah, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need to learn anymore. I've, I've got it all in the bag. And so that, that humility 
And I'll tell you, that was one of those things. It wasn't necessarily in my leadership role, but, you know, God and I did a year long study, just the two of us on pride and it was pretty painful. So just say, yes. yes, I might, you know, that, that is pride is a rough one. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me think about when people, if they, they read this really long book, you know, and the Bible is a great example of that because it's a super long book. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they go, oh, I've read it. Okay. But there's no way that you can read a book that long or any, really any book, yeah. even if it's only 50 pages long, because the author put so much time and energy into that. And obviously God did as well when he wrote the Bible, that there's so right. much more to it than just, I read it once. And I think that when, when as leaders, we go, oh, no, I, I know myself. I've got mm-hmm. it figured out. That's a big problem because your your owner manual is complicated. Yeah. It's very complicated. Yeah. And Absolutely. you need other people to help interpret the instructions because sometimes right. it's hard to read our own instructions. I mean, well, how many men don't read is. instructions at all? It's true. <laughs> that is so true. And I got to tell you, I might be guilty of that occasionally. I just, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Okay. So, but that goes back to kind of that accountability and growth piece, because having people around you that are, are solid, you know, leaders that may be even, um, you know, more mature in their leadership, um, have more wisdom, having those people around to say, okay, now this is what I was thinking. Is that something, am I off the rails? You know, things like that, that accountability piece, can you speak to that and what that looks like for leaders? Yes. So I love this subject. It's probably my favorite when it comes to Sage because it's, it's, it is the heart of, of Sage. It's the heart of what makes someone successful. And, and fundamentally the reason it makes someone successful, this, I think this is truth. This truth came from a friend of mine and he asked me what, what makes, what makes someone successful? And I'm like, I don't know. What, I mean, the, just a blanket statement. Right, for what right. makes someone successful. Like that's kind of a crazy question. And then he, and I said, I don't know what, what is it? And he said that it's to do what you say you're going to do. Mm. And I'm like, sat back. I think we're on the phone. I think I remember just like pausing for a moment. Yeah. And it's true. And that's accountability. That's the heart. That's integrity. That's the heart of accountability is to right. do what you say you're going to do. Um, but I love talking about it because I'm very practical and I want people to have tools. I want people to have a simple process they can follow to, to be more accountable, to have the sage approach in their life. And so I'll briefly describe what I call the accountability pass. So another acronym. So we're doing compound acronyms okay, now. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. I got it. So <laughs> the the pass stands for four things, and the first the P is passive, okay. the A is active, the S is structures or stuff, and the S is self. Okay. So before I jump into the beginning of the acronym, I realized that no one can make me do anything, and no one can make you do anything. And we need to start with commitment. We have to commit. And if, if anybody's watching the Olympics right now, there's a lot of people that are, there's a lot of athletes that they're doing the uh, snowboarding and the skiing and they're doing those right. enormous jumps. It's crazy what they're doing, Yeah. but they're going so fast that when they get into the trough of that drum, jump, no matter how hard they try to stop themselves they're still going to go off that jump. And if they try to stop themselves, it's going to be a disaster. Mm. Or if they just own it and commit, 
they're going to do the jump and they're going to have a way better chance of success. And that's the same thing when it comes to accountability. You have to commit. First, you have to make your commitment to the project, the goal, your intentions, your integrity, whatever it is, you make that commitment. So that's really the self piece. Yeah. Uh, but to help you get there, <clears throat> the other three pieces are like a check engine light in your car. Passive accountability is you're telling people the why behind what you're trying to achieve. So Stephanie, when you think about some of the things that you have going on in your business or your life right now, mm-hmm. what's a, maybe a, a simpler thing that you're wanting to achieve this quarter or this year? Um, we are looking at internal growth. So instead of externally, just um, we've been growing like crazy. So now we're trying to build growth within our team. Okay. So the next piece of this is now, you know, you're trying to create internal mm-hmm. growth growth within the team, which then goes, why? What 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 makes you want to do that? What's the story behind wanting to grow internally, right? Right. Do you want me to answer? So- If you got an answer, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because um, we have been growing so quickly and at such a fast pace that we realize that we have almost neglected- um, you know, really looking internally and training our staff, you know, with, with just true excellence because the growth has been like this. And so we're taking this year to just stop that external growth and really just invest in our staff. That's it right there. That last phrase was Mm. it. That's the story that you get to tell the people that you're growing your team because you want to invest in them. Mm, That's the story. Yeah. And you share that story to 20, 25, 30 people. And not everybody is going to care. Let's be honest. Not everybody cares about your story. But if you just tell them you're going to do internal growth, they're like, so. But if you say you're investing in your people because they you haven't been in the last couple of years and you really want to see them grow, that's a story that people get on board with. And then they follow up with you a week later and say, hey, how's it going with that growth, Stephanie? What's your team doing? What are they up to? And that creates this whole different level of of accountability for you because you know they're going to come yes. back around and ask you. Not oh, everybody, that. but enough of them will. So you yeah. the, you got to know your story though. What's the reason behind what you're doing? Obviously, there's the bigger why for right. all that we do, but right. we need to find the the smaller whys, if you will, behind these other things that we're trying to achieve. So that's passive. I love that. Active accountability is taking that same story and sharing it with someone, two to three people typically at the most, mm-hmm. and asking them and saying, hey, this is what I'm trying to achieve and this is why I would love for you to support me on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And it doesn't have to be this technical, but yeah, yeah. to support me in achieving this. And I would love to return that accountability to you. So that's mm-hmm. essentially what you're doing. You could say it in whatever way you want. But then you would meet with them on the phone in in person, or obviously like you and I are on right, Zoom. Right. But it it can't be text messages. It can't be emails. It needs to be quote eyeball to eyeball, or at least yes. ear hole to ear hole. Yes. Otherwise, it's not active. And the reason it's active is because they are coming to you, and you are going to them, and you're having this purposeful conversation about progress being made, hiccups that you're bumping into, mm-hmm. and discussing what can shift as you help them with what they're trying to achieve and what, and they help you. So that's, that's active. Okay. 
And then structures are the things that we put in place to help us achieve these things. So an example would be a contract that you write with yourself or a contract that you write with your team and say, this is what you can expect of me. And then you sign it, Stephanie, and say, I'm giving this to all of you. I don't know how many team members you have, but you give it to every team member. And now they know that that's what they can expect of you. That's a structure that. that creates super high accountability. You can do it with yourself, with to-do lists, with calendaring stuff. Obviously, as you meet with people, that's a calendar is its own accountability. And then it can be as simple as putting your gym bag in your shotgun of your car so that after work, you go to the gym. Yep. Right. It's just these simple things that we put in place to create accountability. And then, of course, self is the last one. And I already mentioned that. And that's all about commitment. So that's, that's the accountability pass. It went, uh, took a little longer to describe it than maybe I intended. No, that's, that's fabulous because you can use that for every facet of your life. I mean, that just really, and you just kind of used it for accountability with working out. I mean, you can use that with yep. parenting, with business. That's, I love that. Um I need to write that down though, because I'll forget. I'm terrible with acronyms. I am the worst, but for some reason, um, but that is, I love that. I can remember the word pass. That's a little mindset, a little bit mindset coaching right here. Okay. Don't good. say that anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. It. Yes. Good. I'm really good at acronyms. <laughs> there you go. You know, no, but it's, that That's stuff true. works. Yeah. You create, you create, I mean, it's cognitive dissonance. The more yeah. cognitive dissonance, excuse me, I know what I'm trying to say here. You can create the better yes. because, especially if it's positive, obviously we want positive. Right. Um, it, your subconscious is forced to go, wait a second. You said you're good at acronyms, but do you know, do you know what ESPN stands for? Do you know what, do you remember what PASS stands for? And then your subconscious says, well, you told me I'm good at it. And so it works to oh. get you to be better at it. And that, that's like, a tiny, okay. tiny example. But, All right. Yeah. I like okay. So and and that self-talk, that's huge anyway, with what we tell ourselves, what we are. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Now let me ask you a question because you were talking about accountability and putting those structures in place and committing. What about knowing when to say no? Mm-hmm. I have heard people say, um, and not that long ago, I just heard someone who um, is doing incredible things, but she made the comment, say yes, always say yes. And I thought, Ooh, that's because if I said yes to everything, I would not show up to a lot of things. So speak to that if you can. Sure. I think a lot of people think about the why and they want to say, figure out your why. I, I think yeah. that's important yeah. for sure. And it might be number number two or three on, on my list personally. Right. But what's what's important is the who. Mm-hmm. I believe the who is the most important. In my life, it, it starts with God. That starts with Jesus. Yeah. But then yeah. it comes down to me and my family is, right. is, are the next two. If I can get the who dialed in properly, and I don't mean, I don't mean, uh, dialed in, meaning that they, that I'm controlling the way my kids behave right, or no, the way yeah. things happen with my wife, whatever. I just mean that my mind is right as it relates to the who. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first piece. And then second, that your life is not your business and your business mm-hmm. is not your life. If if that's where we stay as leaders, we're creating a huge disservice to those that we lead because they are a who in our lives and that their, their who-ness is way more important <laughs> right. than 
whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing for you or whatever yeah. you're doing for them. It's about the person in the, in the coaching world. They teach you to coach the person, not the problem. Mm-hmm. Transformation comes by coaching the person. Problem solving comes by coaching the problem, but transformation is what ultimately I'm in my business for, not for solving problems. That's a byproduct, right? but it's right. again, it's about the who piece. And if we can get that correct uh, and get our hearts right as it relates to that, then we're good to go. And the way you do that is you do it with accountability. You bring the right people into your life. And there's another portion of that accountability that I didn't mention, which is the board of advisors. Mm -hmm. Do you have a personal board of advisors? And I don't mean a a board that sits at an executive table. I I mean a group of five to seven people that you can really lean on and trust to give you that perspective, that advice. It can be a coach, it can be a family member, it could be a business owner, whatever. But to keep yourself from saying yes too often, I think that's a a big piece of it is figuring out the who. Uh, And there's some tactical things as well that that I teach uh, people to do to help with that. Uh, But I think it starts with who. I love that. And, and, and especially, you know, so as a believer, um, I think there are some real, not there are real strong differences that sometimes world leadership doesn't necessarily understand. And that's the, okay, I'm surrendering this to you, that this is your business or your organization. And um, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to let you run it. And so if it's Holy Spirit run, then that creates a whole different set of, okay, this is the direction I'm going. So that who piece is so critical because if you're a believer, that should be the real, the, the, where everything. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a presentation tomorrow that I'm doing and that I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but there's a part in the middle of it where I ask who is the real CEO of your business. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously it's tugging at what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And this, that question came to me, it didn't really come to me. Someone brought it to me, I should say on a coaching conversation. I was working with this coach. Her name's Kate and she's, she's really a good coach and she doesn't give herself enough credit, but anyway, (laughs) she's a great coach. And, and we got in the middle of this discussion conversation and it moved towards, okay, how do you know where to go with your business and who do you turn to and all these things? Because leadership is, can be very isolating. Very lonely. Yeah. It's, it's hard. That's why accountability is so huge, but, but it's also lonely in those moments as well, because you can't just pick up the phone every time when you're feeling lonely or stuck on a decision. And at the end of that conversation, the, the result of it was I needed to have an 80, 80, excuse me, a 30 minute CEO conversation every week. And what that's what that became is I meet with God every day. And if you're not someone that is a Christian background, this still works. You just mm-hmm. meet with yourself. And it's mm-hmm. super powerful. But the way I do it is for 30 minutes from 8 to 8.30 on Monday for the last, I think it's been 16 weeks, I meet with God and I ask, I, I read a prayer, read a verse or something like that. And then I go through and we, we look at, uh, there's reflection time, there's replying time, like requesting time, excuse me, and there's relying time. And and during those three phases, and there's no particular order necessarily, but during those three phases, 
It allows me to kind of figure out what's going on in the business and where things should go. And right. I've gotten clarity on pricing. I've gotten clarity on the book that I'm writing. I've gotten clarity on the app that's being developed yep. and just peace in general. And, and it's like, if, if you think about just I'm gonna get on soapbox for a second here, but if you think about how we're supposed to tithe, what, yeah. whatever, whatever people's perspectives are on that, let's just say we're supposed to, okay, right. whatever. A tithe is 10% and 10% of a 40 hour week is four hours. Mm. Okay. So can I give them 30 minutes of those four hours? <laughs> that should be, you know what I mean? And I know I, that's probably not even biblically true, but we need yeah, to give ourselves. Groups. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. nailed it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and even in, you know, like you said, whether, whether you're, you're talking um, biblical or not, even that perspective, we have a a consultant that comes in and does, um, you know, kind of that operational system stuff. And there is a, a spot where we are supposed to, as leaders, take um, time out of our week. So every month we have maybe, you know, we're supposed to have an hour or something where we just really reflect on the month. It could be a week. I'm doing it wrong, but it's just, you're just supposed to reflect on that time. And that gives you the opportunity to think about, okay, what can I do differently? What can I do better? What, you know, all those things, I think that's so important, but hard to do sometimes. Yeah. 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 And, and okay. So you mentioned those questions, which makes me think about this other thing that mm-hmm. I do. I, so I do a weekly review. sounds like you do as well. That's extremely powerful. Looks at the vision, values, goals, those types of things. But part of it is I do something called a MOLO, another acronym. Mm. <laughs> so I'm just jamming your brain with acronyms. I know, seriously. Right? Okay. So far, Sage, Pass, MOLO. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Got it. I'm I'm just going to try to jumble people's brains with all these acronyms. Um, Hopefully you got some bunch of listeners that do appreciate acronyms. And for those of you that don't, and if you don't, I'm sorry, but that's how my brain works. No, I Um, think they're good. I think they're good. Yeah. So MOLO is more of less of, um, and it's the idea of asking a lot of people have heard of this before, but it's the idea of asking five questions Mm -hmm. about a particular topic. I've learned that it's really important to get very specific uh, and I do this weekly on, on Saturdays, but uh, essentially I pick a topic, personal, professional, doesn't matter. Uh, the last, what did I do like, on Saturday? Oh man, can I remember? Uh, I was focusing on the, website, on the website development. Yes. And so I, I said to myself, okay, what should I do more of? What should I do less of? Mm. What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? And what should I keep doing? And these are great questions to ask only if you get real specific. If you don't, then it's too nebulous and it becomes overwhelming. Right, right. The other key I've learned, I've done this for like four years. So I've learned a lot from this process. But the other thing I've learned is you don't want to create any more than three of at the most five actions from your answers yes. to your questions. Yes. Otherwise, you're really overwhelmed. Yes. So, cause when you get more than even more than three can be overwhelming. So when you get any more than three, you become, you get to this place of like, I'm not going to do it cause it's too many. Mm. But if you have three, then you could actually tackle those over the next few weeks or the next week right? and make some real progress on that particular topic. So, that is so good. Do you um, have any advice or suggestions or maybe even an acronym of how we can, um, 
better predict our time. That's probably my biggest downfall. I'll say, I'm going to do this and I can totally get that done by tomorrow. And then I realize, okay, that wasn't even a realistic goal for myself that I need, you know, so much more time to get this piece accomplished. Yeah. You said better predict our time. Mm-hmm. I like that. So uh, I heard, I might screw this up a little bit, but I heard someone say that we have a lot less time in a day than we think, but a lot more in a week. We have a lot less time in a week than we think, but a lot more in a month, a lot less than we do in a year and so on and so forth. And that's really interesting. You know, I I don't know how much I a hundred percent agree with that, but but I think we put too much on ourselves in the immediate moment. Yeah. Don't realize what we really could accomplish if we recognize that the time can be stretched out and we can right. leverage the time in a, in a healthy way. Uh, I, I think that one of the, the simplest rules is, is the Pomodoro technique or block scheduling. And you mm-hmm. put those together. It's very helpful uh, for people that haven't heard of the Pomodoro. It's, it's basically 25, 20 to 25 minute increments of focused time on a particular subject or task. And then you take a one minute to five minute break and then you jump back in. I find that that can be really effective and I kind of naturally operate that way. Mm-hmm. But what often people like me struggle with is actually taking a break. Uh, yes. Yes, exactly. And yeah. we just go freaking go. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my kids and wife went to Mesa, Arizona for some family time with all the family kind of congregated there. And then, nice. then I, I didn't go and a couple other family members didn't, and we just worked, but, um, because nobody was home, I would get up at I get up at five thirty and I do my normal routine, eat breakfast, mm-hmm. and I'd start working at six thirty and I'd finish at six thirty. Oh my gosh! And, and it was no big deal. I, yep. I because there was no kid, no responsibilities other than that, right? <laughs> What's unfortunate is some people do that despite having those other responsibilities. Mm. And that's a problem, right? That's something that if if you're like that at times, I'm not here to beat you up, but yeah. if you're like that at times for the listeners, then you know you got to check that. And that's yeah. predicting, that's a part of predicting your time. You know, if, if you've got this, this, if you work 60, 70, 80 hours in a week, you know, how is that impacting the who in your life? And, and that's a big question because what's most important right now? You, yes, we know we need to grow our businesses. Yes, they need to be successful, all that. But at what cost is yeah. the other question. And that brings us back around to accountability again, because accountability is ultimately about the who. Uh, it's not really about the what, it's about the who. And that's why you bring people into accountability. It's it's three of the parts of the equation. It's passive, active, and, and self. Those are three different pieces that are related to people. Structures is the only piece that's related to wow. things. So you got to get the who part correct. But um, I think one of the, uh, an easier way to pr- predict what's possible. I love that mm-hmm. you said it that way. I really appreciate that. Is Is taking... The, the idea of the of the 40 hour work week or 50 yeah. hour work week let's say 50 okay. and in that 50 is a giant massive whirlwind of things that you're getting done there's 80 percent of it that you're just going to get done mm-hmm. and and it's it's just going to happen whether right. you try or not it's just going to freaking happen it's just right task lists you're going to do calls you're going to make but there's this 20 percent that also needs to get happened but it's the most important 20 percent. Mm. So to predict your time better, you have to pull out that 20% and look at it and go, okay, what do you want me to accomplish in this 20% time? And that's a great topic to have in those 30-minute Monday meetings or whatever, yeah. whatever happen. But wow. what is that 20%? And 20% of a 50-hour week is 10 hours. 
So do you have 10 hours to dedicate to that 20%? If not, start with five, start with 5% of your time to dedicate to that stuff, that work. Um, and that, that will help you to predict what's possible. And the, the beauty of this is if you, this is a whole nother layer of, of things here, but if you can measure that, if you can go, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. This is the result of accomplishing it. And then track specifically how you're going about making that happen with data, then you can figure, you can basically create yourself a system and a process, yeah. which then makes what you're doing predictable. I love because, that. Yeah. Cause you've created such a good system of, if I make 10 phone calls a week to past clients, mm -hmm. I get three referrals. Right. So make those freaking calls. You're going to get three right. referrals. Right. Or if I post to social media 20 times, it's a fat waste of time. So quit posting to social media. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're able yeah. to measure your results and it's all dependent on the business. Yeah. But the key is that you document it, which creates a system, which makes what you're doing more predictable. And then eventually that becomes so predictable. You plug it back into the whirlwind and pull out another 20% mm. and focus on that. And you repeat. And then what you do becomes extremely predictable and almost turnkey. So you just give somebody else the keys to do the work that you already know exactly how to do. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. You know, I think one of the things that has been very challenging for people, especially since COVID, so many people are working from home yeah. and, um, and, and we actually have been working from home since COVID. And then we just found out that the, the building that we are inhabiting is, um, has been sold and they're downsizing. So we are going to be working from home, which is actually a great thing. But one of the biggest challenges, I think working from home, especially if you don't have a dedicated space to work in, mm -hmm. um, is, is shutting that computer. And that goes back to the who and, you know, spending time allowing work to get in the way from your family or from, you know, from your friends and, or whatever it may be, but the ability to say, I'm done and put those boundaries in place. What, um, what advice would you give people who just really struggle with boundaries with work and themselves? Sure. Uh, okay. This one, some people won't do this and they won't be able to, but, but it's, it's a huge deal when, when I went for me, it, for me, it was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. So uh, about two years into the business, my laptop became, it just didn't work for what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. it, it made it difficult for me to function at the level I wanted to in my business. And so I had, a, it was a decision point for me. It was, yeah. do I buy another new laptop from, from Apple? Cause I I'm not in that infrastructure. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. I like even more now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> They're really, they can be really expensive, but they last for a right. long time. I still have, I have one that my wife uses now that's, I think from 2017 and it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, I couldn't run my business to it, but it's right. fine. Right. Anyway, so how did you, do I want a laptop, you know, some MacBook Pro or whatever, or if you're, if you're a PC person, some high-end Dell or whatever, mm -hmm. or am I going to go with a desktop? Mm -hmm. And I chose to go with a Mac mini desktop and this isn't a, this isn't an Apple ad by any means, yeah. but it <laughs> although it'd changed, be okay if it were, but. <laughs> it changed things big time because when I'm done working, I can't take my computer with me. Yeah. 
I do. Yes, I have a phone. Yes, I yeah, have a, yeah. a tablet. So yes, I can still access it and I do, but having a desktop made a big difference. So if that doesn't fit you, that's fine. But for those of you that if you're willing to switch to a desktop, first of all, they perform way better, but that made a big difference for me. And then secondly, if you do have a dedicated space, close the door. Yeah. When you're done, close the door. Very simple thing. I don't have to close the door anymore. I've disciplined myself enough, mm-hmm. but it, I needed to for a while. I got into the habit and now yep. I'm in the habit. So I don't have to close the door. But with, right. oh, oh, and the other piece is turn off the freaking light in your office too. Yeah. <laughs> Not only because it's better for your home and electricity, yes, right. <laughs> but it doesn't draw you in like yes. this dang magnet. That's true. But yeah, turn off, turn off the lights, close the door. Uh, the party's over. You're done yeah. working. Pick a specific time that that this is the upper limit of when you work and pick a specific time of the when you start working too. Yeah. And stop, just don't work anymore. Right. Um, don't check. The other thing is people, I have clients that get email alerts while I'm talking to them. <laughs> and I'm like, do you really need an email alert? That you, every every business owner is addicted to email. So there's oh, no need terrible. to have an yeah, alert. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So why do we need an alert? Turn right. those stupid things and turn them yep. off on your phone. Turn off yep. the badges for your emails. Cause you, we all know that most people have like 10,000 unread emails. Yeah. Turn off the stinking badge. Yeah. So you don't see it. So you control when you look at emails and I struggle with this. That's I don't good. have badges and I don't have alerts, but man, I'm addicted to my email. So I don't have this one figured out by any means, yeah. but that's really I, good. You have to cap your day and you have to create a foundation for your day too. So yeah. Those two pieces are really important um, and take breaks. You know, yes. I, I have something that I describe in my book called the the um, magic of transitions. And it's the idea that when you and I are done with this conversation or whoever's listening, when they're done listening, mm-hmm. that that moment is a transition moment. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, when I stand up from my desk to leave, the, I try to leave yeah. often after something finishes, I try to just go out my door and go downstairs, grab a drink or whatever. Yeah. Not, not alcohol. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, not, not promoting drinking during the day, like COVID did. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but in that transition, there's three things you can do. One, you could just move on and let your brain go over where yeah. it goes. You can pull out your phone, whatever you're going to do. That's one option. A second option is to shut your mind down, sh- yeah. slow it down and listen and go, what, what, what do I need to listen to right now? What do I need? What's my body telling me? What is the last thing that just happened telling me? What's what's going on? Is there something I need to reflect on and spend? We're talking 30 seconds. We're not yeah, talking yeah. meditation for 10 minutes here. Right. We're talking the time it takes you from to go from your office to your toilet. Because <laughs> often that's what we do in our transitions. Mm-hmm. We go from mm-hmm. our office to our toilet or from our office to our car. Those are right. wonderful transition moments. Right, the right. Th- the th- third option is to, again, listen, but instead of to your body or think about what just happened in the conversation is to listen to what God has to say or to what the energy has to say to you. I don't, I don't see things that way, but some people Mm -hmm. do. So that's going to be something that people can listen to. Um, And I call that the magic of transition because it helps this thing up here reset and get to a better place. Cause I'm hard. I'm wired for a lot of energy. Yeah. And sometimes I need to slow down. Right. So. Right. And it's okay to step away and take a nap if you need to, or whatever it may be. Those are good things. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to have a laptop for my work because I, um, we are such a mobile organization, but 
one of the things that I've learned to do, and this is kind of a new thing is um, since I've been officing, uh, since we got kicked out of our office in a lovely, wonderful way, actually. But since I did that, I actually took over my oldest daughter. She's 21. She lives in New York. And I took over her bedroom um, and turned it into my um, master office. She doesn't know that yet, but um, I just leave the computers in here. And so unless I'm leaving for work, if I'm going downstairs and if I'm just doing something for me, I don't have, I don't even take the computers with me. So, and that's a new thing. Cause I used to carry it literally everywhere. So it, it's a badge. It's like a, it's a, it's a pride thing. And I don't mean, I don't necessarily mean pride in a negative way. I just yeah, mean, we're, yeah. we're really proud. We're running our business and we're business people and we're that's doing right. our freaking thing. And that's darn it, right. I got the computer. And I have to be on all the time. You know, it's like, you know, I am so the work never stops. And I think that's the thing we need to remind ourselves. It's going to be there tomorrow. And I always tell my staff, we are doing some important work. We do prevention education on um, sex trafficking, social media, safety, relationships, and we go into the schools, but I always tell my staff, we are not brain surgeons. And so no one's dying on the table. If you mess up, it's okay. You know, there's, and if you don't get it done today, no one's dying on the table. It's okay. So I think those are just things that are not always easy to remember, but so important. So important. I just love this. So tell me, um, what does it look like to get coached? by Kyle. What do you coach people individually? Do you coach businesses? What does that look like? Yeah, my primary clients are business owners. Uh, okay. And my work with them is growing their business with less stress. That's mm. ultimately what I'm doing. Who doesn't want because that? The, I'm sorry. What? Who, who doesn't want that? Oh, exactly. I want that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So that's the primary target is, is to grow my client's business with less stress. And, and the way that I do that is, yes, it's group coaching and it's one-to-one, primarily one-to-one, but I'm, I'm launching a group coaching on the 2nd of March, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm launching a group coaching seven people walking through a four-month program. Mm-hmm. And in that program, we look at goals. We look at what what is the vision that you have for your business? What's your org chart look like? A lot of people yeah. don't recognize the value of an org chart. Um especially the small businesses mm-hmm. that are, you know, micro size, two, three people, because most people want to grow their business. And if you develop an org chart, that's the prediction of the future of your business. And so let's say there's seven in the ultimate version of your business. And then you describe out what each role is going to be. And then you figure out using that predictable system you and I were talking about before. And I teach people how to do that in the, in the program, but then you can plug in that info into all those, I call call them job scorecards, but they're a version of a job description. You plug that all in. And then when you go to hire that role, you bring in Susie and you say, Hey, Susie, you're going to be the sales or your accountant executive. Mm-hmm. And this is how you do the job. Cause I've been doing it for four years on my own. This is how you do it. And if you find any way to improve it, awesome. Let's improve it, but right. follow this process to start. Yeah. And then, so now you have predictable processes. Um, I teach people how to do a hiring I call it sage hiring and it's a very specific way that I walk people through hiring when I'm helping organizations with their hiring. And one of the last pieces is a review. We, we need to look at our systems, what's working, what's not working and, yeah. and make sure that they're in consistently improving. 
because just because you've got it dialed in for this season doesn't mean when the next quarter comes or the next year comes yeah. that there's not going to be some adjustments needed because yeah. the marketplace is constantly changing. That's right. So um, there's, there's ways. I just love your word. I think that's great. There's ways to create predictability in your business. You can use it. <laughs> Go ahead I, and trademark it. I don't care. <laughs> I think there is a, there's, I think there's a, a tool called predictable success, I think. Uh, but anyway, I think it's anyway. Um, okay. So don't trademark it, but you can use it freely. You can use right. that. Right. Yes. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So it's called The Sage Leader, and it's all about helping people grab a hold of this, the mindsets and habits so they can be less stressed, more organized, and have more freedom in their business and their life. And the book walks you through. It sounds like a lot. It's not because most of us have at least half of these down, but there's 20 habits and 20 mindsets. So I walk mm-hmm. you through those habits and mindsets to help you become a sage leader. And the And the thing is that if you think well, I gotta, I gotta adopt forty habits and mindsets total. No, 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 no. You look at the ones that you're already really good at, mm. and you lean into those. And then you go, oh, I'm not great at this mindset or this habit, so I'm gonna find other people mm. in my organization or the future organization and let them be empowered to do those things because they're good at them too. So you basically deploy all those mindsets and habits within your business, but it's through the whole team. Back to the who again. Right. Uh, so I teach people that the sage process, I teach people how to deploy it into their business. And it, it's, you know, you could deploy it into your life for sure as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I just love what you're doing. You are clearly doing great work. Um, and I, and I love how, you know, God took you from this place where really teaching you all of the elements that you needed to know to be able to help other people grow yeah. as leaders, grow their organizations and just grow in life. So that's fabulous. Great job. Yeah, I had, I, thank you. I had uh, this wonderful opportunity at, at the HR job where they wanted me to create systems and to help them get the right people in the door and help them with communication. And so I basically had I had 30 hours a week that I worked and about five or so, if not more, sometimes a week, I got to basically study. And so not only did I have those nine years of mentoring, once I got into that HR job, I studied for five to 10 hours a week and on my bookshelf, which nobody can see, but I've got Mm. probably 15 books Mm. that are, that are like just, I basically created cliff notes versions of them myself. Nice. And that has turned into all these programs and the coaching that I'm doing. And and if I hadn't had that time, I mean, yeah. I'm so fortunate to have had that time and I was paid to study. That's it's awesome. like the ultimate <laughs> college. That really, it, that is fantastic. It's like getting paid to work out. Those two things, paid to study, paid to work out. Those yeah. are two good things, Yeah, which neither one is true for me, but I would <laughs> love to have those opportunities. So how can people find you? Sure. Yeah. Real simply go to sagemindset.com, sagemindset.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a way to connect with me for a free discovery call. I I love conversing with people, networking. Uh, If if you network with me, you're going to find a connection with someone else. I guarantee it. It's just how I'd love to do that. And maybe even we could start working together. So I love that. I think that's great. I'm going to give you a call because I think just in this in this conversation, I have learned so much. Um, it's just great stuff. So um, definitely worth worth looking up. So final question, what does resilience mean to you? Resilience. 
you know, I was looking at your word and if you look at the word, it's again, silent, it's re silence. Mm. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, what is, what does that even mean? And I think resilience, sometimes if we're going to be resilient, we have to go into ourselves and, and listen and be quiet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and hear what's what's going on inside of ourselves. Because the resilience comes from within and, and I, I believe also from God. Mm-hmm. And and in order to hear that, you have to be very quiet. But it happens again and again and again. So that's why I think that word re-silence or resilience is mm-hmm. very much being quiet repeatedly to hear how can you be re-energized to go forward, to push through, to make progress. So that, and second, the word progress is what comes to mind. Mm. It's not perfection. It's, it's, it's process and progress. Mm. If you put those two together, it's good. It's good enough. We don't need perfection. It's not going to happen. I love that. Kyle, this has been great. I've learned so much. I've loved talking to you and um, I would love to have you on again. We'll um, maybe learn even more. That would be awesome if you're willing. Yeah. I've got an app that I need to talk about still too. So next time you have a whole app. Okay. Say what it is. And then next time we'll talk about that. Yes. So uh, the the app is based on Sage, of course. And it's what I'm having people do is when you, when you think about sport, what's your favorite sport, Stephanie? Um, okay. So my son plays soccer and basketball. So you could pick either one of those, as long as he's playing, that's my favorite. <laughs> okay. So we'll go with basketball because I, okay. I know that sport best. Okay. At the end of the four or toward the end of the fourth quarter, if the score is 80 to 85 and your yeah. team is down 80 to 85 okay. and, and there's no timeouts left and there's a minute left in the game. We know exactly what's going on. We know exactly yeah. what the team needs to do. They need to score at least six points to win this dang game without letting the other team score. Right. If you, at the end of the game, you look at the box score and you see that somebody had this many rebounds, somebody else had this many points, et cetera, et cetera. You have a scoreboard and you have a box score of what's going on with the person, what's going on with the team. But we don't do that in our own leadership. We don't do that in our own self-development. And so I've taken Sage and I plugged it into an app. And what you do is every day you go in there and you document based on one habit or one mindset related to self-awareness, one related to accountability on through the other two. And you document what's happened in a journal way with that particular habit or that Mm -hmm. mindset. And you do it in however many words you want. It doesn't matter one word or a thousand words. And and what you're doing is you're you're shifting mindsets because you're looking at your day, you're reflecting on what happened, and then you score yourself on a one to five scale. It's it's based on a one to five, but it's going to be some sort of a ranking like, I did awesome today, or man, it was a crappy day, whatever, just a ranking like that. And then you do it on all four behaviors. And at the end of a week, a month, whatever, you're going to see that you're improving Hmm. If you, if you average it around a four, you improve 1% every day in that particular category. And if that's, that's, to me, that's the goal, 1% improvement in each of those habits. If we get that improvement, then that's a beautiful thing. Additionally, you get onto leaderboards with the words that you, how many words you type in the number of days that you've done it in a row, uh, those types of things. And so there's this camaraderie and there's this gamification that encourages people to take action. So And then I engage on the app as well with messages and, and whatnot. So nice. Okay. And that is called Sage it's app. Called is that Sage Mindset app? Yeah. Sage Mindset app. Okay. Well, yeah. every... it's not it's not quite out yet. It'll be out. Okay. It'll probably be out. Very cool. 
All right. Well, we will for sure have you back. I want to hear all about that. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out more of, of your work with Sage Mindset. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate Absolutely. It. And thank you for listening to Resilience in Life and Leadership. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.